0: you are listening to the Connect for Children podcast, where we talk about pediatric clinical trials in Europe. For today's episode, we will focus around science communication, essential for the life sciences ecosystem and even more for an European project such as Connect for Children. How to handle the communication of tricky topics, such as pediatric clinical trials? What are the communication challenges for a project like Connect for Children? And how to cope with the spread of fake news and anti-science sentiments? I am Rita, your host for today's episode, and to answer these important questions around science communication, I'm joined by two guests that have significant experience in this field, as they play a very important role in C4C communication. Claudio Fracasso, Pediatric Clinical Director in Pfizer Pediatric Center of Excellence, with 30 years of experience in research and development, both in hospital and pharmaceutical companies. And Lindsay Hunter, Network Education Training Team Manager at Fondazione Penta Onlus, with experience in health research and pediatric research capacity development. So I would like to start with a question for you, Claudio. Why is it so important to communicate science?
1: Communication is the foundation of scientific progress, uh, and in fact, by communicating results of research, we enable the scientific community to develop and grow its knowledge further. But communicating also to a broader public has a crucial role for many reasons. First, to avoid science being seen as something far from the real needs of people. Second, to fill those knowledge gaps uh, at risk of being filled by fake news and theories without any scientific basis. And when working in in children's health research and medicine development, uh, like in our case, it is even more important to ensure that parents are aware of new therapies available for their children and to avoid the stigma which always precludes the participation of children in experimental clinical trials. I like to think of science communication as bridging the gap between the people involved in science to people who are not involved in science. Obviously, the language used in communicating about research needs to be adapted to the type of audience you intend to reach. While communicating results in specialized journal or congresses requires a more scientific and detailed language, As the information is directed towards scientists and researchers, communicating to people who do not have that set of expertise poses some more challenges. But in addition to these challenges, we have now an increased level of complexity caused by the so many different types of channels of communication we can nowadays choose from. The broad variety of media is certainly a big advantage because it allows us to quickly reach millions of people. But on the other end, it also means we must carefully select the way of presenting arguments that may be of interest. Think about the platforms like Twitter, in which uh, you have a limit in character and in time to catch the attention of the reader. Exactly the opposite of Facebook, uh, where there is more space and possibility to go more in-depth uh, in the discussion. And even different from the podcast, for example, we are now recording, in which uh, there is nothing written and the listeners have to focus just on our world.
0: Lindsay, can you explain why is science communication important to C4C specifically?
2: The C4C community has embraced its mission to facilitate research aimed to improve the health of all our children. Therefore, we feel the social responsibility not only to produce results, but also to communicate our work to a wide audience. Especially because C4C is funded through the European Commission, we really feel the need to show transparently how we're spending the money, how we're spending public money, and how this can help to reach our objectives. So we're now reaching out to the scientific communities to communicate our results and we are working to explain the importance of clinical research to families and trying to involve the medicines regulators in early discussions to ensure that there's a common understanding of the difficulties associated with paediatric research and medicine development and all of this forms part of the C4C mission. And we really think it's really encouraging for everybody but especially for the parents who can see all the members of the C4C community are working together in the best interest for the health of their children.
0: Is science communication just about transmitting
2: information or is it more like a dialogue? So science communication is not just a one-way process It's not just about communicating a piece of information to a person or a group of people, but it's really about engaging different people in the discussion, having a dialogue around research and science. So listening to the public views is becoming a really important part of these types of communication. And we find now that more and more members of the public are taking up the task of communicating science facts and research results to really mobilize for change. I think um, social media is a really good example of this because through social media, we can easily connect to our different audiences. In C4C, we have Four social media channels. We have LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And these really help us to reach a really broad audience. And through these channels, we can distribute key pieces of information or updates on the project or results to our desired audiences. But at the same time, we can amplify the audience's ability to communicate with us and provide direct feedback. So this allows us to really actively engage with scientists, researchers, but also the general public in conversations around science and research.
0: What is important to take into account when using social media?
2: I think what's really important to consider is the types of information that are being shared through these channels. So we need to think about, we really need to consider the content we want to share, so making sure it's accurate and it's trustworthy. And we need to consider how we're presenting the information, whether that's through videos or images, but also trying to get our point across in a few words as possible social media is really fast and no one has the time or the energy to read long and complicated posts. But we also need to think about the reader. So what this post will really mean to the reader, what impact will this have on the reader and how we can make it relevant to them. But we can also... I think it's also important not to forget that we really need to utilise the infrastructure of these social media networks. So using the hashtags and the different handles to really help engage our community, we're able to have that two-way communication. So we're really engaging our community, but also beyond.
0: Social media has definitely revolutionised the way we communicate. Do you think we'll soon be seeing even newer communication tools? How do you think science communication will evolve?
1: This is a very easy to answer question because, yes, certainly new tools will emerge, and not even in the mid-term future, probably even tomorrow, doesn't something new appearing on the horizon. Uh, we have learned the lesson during the last years in which, in general, a new social medium replaced quickly the one before, even targeting more focused population. And scientific communication has followed the same trend, moving from dedicated journals and congresses to television and even other available means. The difficult part to predict is about which could be these new tools. Hyperconnectivity is already occurring with the wearable devices and augmented reality. So probably that will be the direction, with information shared even faster than now, appearing directly on the devices of the potential beneficiary of a discover, for example, a new drug, without the need for the subject to look for it. This granular information, which, by the way, has always to deal with the protection of privacy, can be essential for a more customized medicine.
0: You have been using social media for science communication but the platforms can also be used to spread misinformation. How do you deal with viral misinformation and anti-science sentiments?
1: Misinformation, or uh, the the new word we are using, infodemic, uh, around COVID, has really highlighted how important uh, it is to have accurate, evidence-based, and clear information communicating to the public. We all been living in difficult times over the last year, and we are inundated by information on COVID testing, vaccine variants all day long. This information can be confusing and it has uh, highlighted the need for good science communication and how important it is. We think that the scientific community is now filling this gap that has been left by a lack of appropriate communication and we are engaging more and more in the discussion around science through all media and information channels. We can't say that we have been 100% successful, but certainly the scientific community has gained trust. Anyway, we wish to underline the most important achievements of the correct and rigorous information on the progresses of science and research. One is the empowerment of people who feel confident with science and can make their own evidence-based decisions. The other, is the attitude gained by the scientists uh, to recognize opinions, those uh, fields uh, and of their final clients, uh, and uh, this uh, uh, makes them uh, much open to learn what really matters for them.
0: So after the short break, we will talk about fake news and the challenges for Connect for Children in communicating around a tricky subject like pediatric clinical trials. This podcast is brought to you by Connect for Children. We aim to establish a coordinated approach to facilitate the delivery of high-quality, regulatory-grade pediatric clinical trials in Europe for all age groups and diseases. In the project, 35 academic and 10 industry partners from 20 different countries have joined forces to overcome the hurdles standing in the way of clinical trials for children. Together, we're creating a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. Want to know more? Visit our website, connectforchildren.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date. A question for you, Claudio. Is it hard to compete with fake news when communicating about science? How can people tell the difference?
1: The way to understand if they are false or true is... uh, the type of arguments uh, and uh, how much uh, they are uh, they are strongly uh, supported by evidences because uh, uh, what is missing usually is uh, the doubt when a, a science uh, a science communication is made usually you never are so strongly Stating what you are saying, but there is always a room for doubt. The typical language uh, of science uh, is uh, we have shown that, uh, we have seen that, uh, we think that based on this data, this is uh, what we have found. While uh, the typical language of this fake news is more strong. Let's say, uh, it is like this. And we personally, being used to read science, uh, when I see this type of statements, uh, I'm I'm skeptical because uh, we always communicate the evidences. uh, Then the conclusions, are based on this evidence. We never start from the statement and then we try to find the arguments. We do exactly the opposite way. And and this is science. Science is based on the doubt and then you go to verify the doubt and based on the data, you, stay, you have your conclusions. Fake news mostly are done on the other way around. They start with a strong statement and then they struggle to find the evidences to support this uh, this statement. That's not science.
2: I also think that the public are becoming more and more aware of fake news and that it's circulating. So they're becoming more savvy with what to look for when they're looking at posts, for example, on website or, or social media. And so they're questioning themselves now as to is this true is this real and they are taking the initiative to take a look behind what's behind that post and what's driving it even with things like newspaper headlines and um, news articles and websites the way that sometimes the media portrays um Information they're trying to sometimes put together a nice headline that catches people's attention. and if you just read the headline, it can sound quite scary, but if you actually go into it in more depth, then you understand more and you understand that it's not um maybe not as scary as it originally sounded, and you can find out more about the research and evidence behind it. So I think people are becoming. I think although there's a lot more fake news around now, I also think people are becoming a lot more aware of it and are starting to take the initiative of looking at the facts behind the news.
1: May I add also another little point? Uh, just uh, one, one important suggestion uh, is uh, uh, that now scientists and researchers are uh, available through many channels. For example, uh, we 4 c has shown that uh, can be reached uh, through social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, through the website. So it's easy to ask. If you have a doubt, go directly to those who are making science and ask. uh, Before, there was uh, the wall that we set between the science and the general population. Now this wall uh, is uh, much lower, it does not even exist, and uh, so it's easy to have access directly to those who are making science.
0: You both lead the communication efforts of a large European research network, Connect for Children.
2: What are some specific challenges for this project? There are two big challenges we face in communicating about C4C externally. So one is telling the public what we're doing and why it's important for them to know. And second is communicating to such a wide audience. So as we just said, there's so many different people involved, scientists, industry, clinicians, policymakers, general public, children, the patient organizations. And C4C can be a really complicated concept to explain to people, especially when they're not familiar with clinical trials or the C4C network itself. So, it can be quite a difficult message to get across as to why they should be interested. So, why should they be interested in clinical trials? Or why is the C4C network important in supporting and facilitating clinical trials in Europe? And one of the difficulties in communicating these points can be the use of the language. So, I've mentioned before, often in science, the language can be quite technical. And to communicate science to the general public or other stakeholders – we need to ensure that our messages are clear and they're not using technical terms which can confuse some people, and that we're using language that is suitable for a whole range of people, from, quite, from young children to their families to the broader general public, but also for researchers and scientists themselves. It's really our job as leading the C4C communications package to ensure the messages that we're putting out there are understandable and they're clear, they're evidence-based, they're correct, But also they're appealing to our audience so that they want to find out more about what we are doing in C4C. But even maybe they want to get involved in C4C themselves. And also we need to ensure that we're choosing the appropriate medium for our communication. So the appropriate medium for science communication is really crucial. Whether this can be a presentation or social media post like we've been talking about or even a podcast like we're doing right now. In C4C itself, we work across 21 countries, so our network covers 21 countries across Europe. And although English is the common language that's used across these countries and across the network, it's not spoken by everybody in these different countries. So it's really important that within C4C, we utilize our network across these countries so they can help support us in translating our messages into these different languages. And this helps us reach an even wider audience. Another key challenge or an added challenge with C4C is that we're not quite open for business yet. So we want to tell you or the general public, everybody, about all the great work we're doing and how much progress we've made and how innovative we're being. But also, we don't want to give the wrong impression that our C4C network is open for others to use. Currently we're doing a lot of work and internally and we're developing our network and we hope in the future we'll be able to open that up to other stakeholders but right now we're not there and so we need to find a balance between communicating important messages about C4C but not selling our service to the outside world.
0: Connect with Children strives to improve medicines for babies, children and young people by developing a pan-european infrastructure for clinical research How do you communicate about pediatric clinical trials when many find the topic to be a tricky subject?
1: Facilitating clinical trials by putting in place structures and processes to conduct the clinical development smoothly is certainly the trigger which led to creating C4C. So pediatric clinical trials are our most important focus. And C4C approach was to impact on the very practical aspects, such as facilitating the identification of suitable sites for a given trial or creating education and training programs homogeneously throughout the beneficiaries. So for example, having C4C-specific good clinical practice training modules available to the investigators of the trials run by the network but also to raise awareness in the general population on the importance of clinical research in children, explaining how research works, uh, reassuring parents that not only the safety of their children is guaranteed, but also that clinical trials is a way to have access to innovative therapies uh, from which may benefit the child and all those with the same disease. And I have to say that one of the most important contribution in this direction is given by the work within C4C of the children and young people advocacy and advisory groups, which are included in all the activities of C4C. And for this, uh, they are named internally as cross-cutting teams. Thanks to them, for example, in C4C website, uh, available a lot of materials aimed to explain research in a lay language specific for different ages, which may be a precious resource for family uh, to take a decision whether or not to participate in a clinical trial. We wish very soon to have also data coming from the ongoing proof of viability trials, as this will allow us, of course, to do a benchmarking evaluation and assess the areas for improvement but uh, uh, for, from the communication standpoint, uh, to show how much C4C and, in general, networks uh, can be effective in delivery results. And why not uh, new therapeutic options? Because the best way to communicate what the c for c is for is to show very practical examples.
0: To wrap up the interview, what are the best practices that you can share based on your experience?
1: An important lesson has come from the observation of the way people communicate. Communication has to be quick, as you should catch the attention at a glance. Otherwise, your message will be diluted within plenty of others, which every second reach every individual. And to this same, the use of visual is very helpful. Exactly the way we used to catch the attention of small children, uh, if you think. But Part of this catcher is based on the interest of the people you are reaching. The right message to the right person through the right medium. For example, professional community will be reached via LinkedIn while broader adult audiences met in Facebook and young people is more easy to contact via Instagram or of course, one medium doesn't exclude the other, as well as we also do not exclude the more pragmatic way through press releases or our website, which are still a valid vehicle of information for journalists or those googling in internet.
2: If you want to give some quick tips, maybe, I think I would say be clear on what your message is and start with the most important information. Try to avoid technical terms unless they're really necessary. Use visuals, so images, videos, anything to capture people's attention. And really know your audience, so know who they are. Think about what they know and what they think they may know. And pick the best tool or channel or medium to reach your audience. So you make use of things like social media, but also think outside the box. There are many ways we can engage our different audiences. It doesn't always need to be through the standard um, communication channels such as the use of a press release or website
0: that was all for today's connect for children podcast by supporting clinical trials we're working towards a world with better medicines for babies children and young people to find out more visit our website connectforchildren.org and follow us on linkedin twitter facebook and instagram Thank you for listening and tune in next time for more crucial scientific insights.